The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today... On Kroll Call, there's no escaping it, it's an election year, and this year it's not just about feeling the burn, being with her, or making America great again, it's also about the so-called bathroom bills. Actor and activist Scott Turner Schofield will tell us why he thinks the laws are the best thing to happen to the LGBTQ community yet. Then, he's one of the hottest newcomers on the daytime dial. We'll get to know all about General Hospital's Robert Palmer Watkins. That's what's coming up today on Kroll Call. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kroll Call. It is our first week back here live after a couple of weeks off where they did some work here on the studio at Kroll Manor. And of course... We are having some weird technical glitches, but we're going to make it work. And in case you've forgotten who I am, my name is Dan, and I am funky. Okay, so maybe that doesn't work for me, but my name is Dan Kroll. I put the Kroll in Kroll Call. And this week, the wonderfully talented Scott Turner Schofield and Robert Palmer Watkins will be putting the call in Kroll Call. It's a lot of names, but I assure you it is just two people. Robert's going to be joining me in the second half of the show to talk about life in Port Charles That's the fictional setting of ABC's long-running drama series, General Hospital. And coming up in just a few moments, Scott Turner Schofield will be dropping by for what I think will be an eye-opening discussion about sex, gender, and sexuality. Now, before we get joined by any of our guests, I do want to do a little bit of a public service soap announcement. The Daytime Emmys, as I'm sure you know, are now just about a week away. And for the, I don't know, the 16th year, 17th year or so, I'll be there on the red carpet to bring you everything you ever wanted to know about the daytime Emmys for SoapCentral.com. The ceremony will not be televised this year, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that you don't miss a single moment. So follow along at SoapCentral on Twitter, at the Soap Central on Instagram, like our official webpage on Facebook at SoapCentral.com. And of course, be sure to visit SoapCentral.com for Emmy coverage that I think is really unparalleled. You can watch Emmy Reels, check out expert predictions, review photos and coverage of previous Emmys. It's really good stuff. And General Hospital's Haley Pullos will be back with me on the red carpet again this year. So it's going to be a fun time. And if you're so inclined, you can also follow me at Dan J. Kroll on pretty much any social media platform out there, Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, and I'm sure there are others, but those are really the only ones that matter. Now let's get on to this week's show a little bit later than we expected, but again, apologize for the delay. My first guest this week is an actor, an author, a speaker, an activist who, as Nick last year on The Bold and the Beautiful, became the first openly transgender person to have a recurring role on a daytime drama series. But while the B&B story was uniquely fictional, Scott Turner Schofield has a story that is uniquely personal. He's here today to discuss his journey so far and to also talk about sex, gender, and sexuality and how a lack of understanding of those three terms can really negatively impact us all. Scott, 
thank you so much for taking some time out to chat with me today. Uh, I, I couldn't be happier to. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it, what I like to do when people come on is to have this sort of, you know, it's a fun and it's a celebration time. But for a lot of people, Scott, uh, we're still mourning the unexpected and sudden passing of Prince. And I saw that you did share some messages on Twitter following Prince's passing. And I sort of you know, wanted to get your thoughts on what Prince really means to, to all of us. Well, I mean, gosh, what Prince means, how, how do you even begin with that? I, I don't think there isn't a, I don't think there's a person on the face of the earth that doesn't know a Prince song that hasn't gotten down to a Prince song. And for someone to be able to turn on so many people like that, make us happy and make us move and feel good in our bodies. I mean, what an incredible power um, that remains with us forever because it's in the form of music and recorded music, which is so great. But the thing that, that Prince meant so much to me for um, was that Prince made it cool to be kind of weird, right? Um, and <laughs> so, much of what, so much of what Prince's quote-unquote weirdness was about was about his gender. It was about the way that he was a man who was beautiful. He was so gorgeous. All these words that we use for women, right? Um, you know, that's, what, that's how Prince embodied himself. And while Prince never came out, Prince never came out as transgender, but during an, um, uh, an interview with Oprah back in, I think it was the late 80s or early 90s, he did say, um, I feel like there's a part of me that is not a man, Right. And that, even in that moment in time, that was like this huge admission, this, you know, this wonderful, this wonderful way of saying something that actually I think, if we're honest, most people actually feel about themselves. Right. Um, and so, I mean, it's a great loss to the world. But yet, I'm so glad, well, you know, we'll always be able to party like it's 1999. You know what I mean? Like, we'll, we'll always have that. Right. Absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot to answer the most impossible question, probably of all time. Do you have a favorite Prince song? Uh, uh, how could I possibly? Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was, I was listening to, um, there's a radio station in Minneapolis, the, the, the uh, NPR affiliate in Minneapolis yesterday was played the entire Prince catalog which for an artist, he had a hit every year since 1978. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. Um, so they were playing his entire catalog, and um, a song from Purple Rain came on, uh, Take Me With You, that I had totally forgotten about. Um, it's like, I don't care where we go. I don't care what we do, right? <laughs> like, and I just fell madly in love with that song again. So for right now, Take Me With You. It's, it's so great to see the range of songs that people have selected. You know, sometimes I think with some artists, you get the one song. It's their song. It's a song everyone remembers. And, I mean, there are songs that people are, are picking that I have to go back and find out which album they are and go and listen to them. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it still is, is very difficult, as I see on Twitter, for a lot of people to process. But I did want to, uh, you know, get that out of the way, talk about that. Before we go on to some other things that are probably equally uh, in-depth to talk about with you, I, I know I have more questions than we have time, but if you're game for it, uh, what do you say we get the discussion going? Let's roll. We've got to talk about this stuff. That's the only reason why it's difficult, because we haven't been talking about it. So, again, thank you for the opportunity. Let's do it. 
Absolutely. Now, you know, a lot of folks who are out there listening will know you from The Bold and the Beautiful. Now, between real-life stories that they may have seen, you know, chronicled on reality series and fictional ones such as Maya's on The Bold and Beautiful, I would say now more than ever, issues that are affecting trans people are more front and center. People are realizing that there are issues. But for a lot of people... I think it may be difficult to fully understand because they really only know what they see on TV or what they're seeing on, I don't know, TMZ headlines or, or other places. So I wanted to start off in you know, the short amount of time that we have to give you the opportunity to let people know about you by telling your story in your own words with as much or as little as you'd like to share to sort of get everyone up to the point where we are discussing today. Okay, sure, sure. Um, well, yeah, I mean, and just to say, this is my story, right? So it's not, the, the thing that happens when you're a representative of a community is that sometimes people tend to take that as the story. Um, so I just want to be really clear and say, you know, I'm, I'm a white female to male person who, you know, grew up having everything I needed in life and whose family loves him very much. And that's a, that's not everybody's story. Um, but I, um, you know, I was very young when I was became conscious, and as a as a young child, I was I was conscious of the fact that I knew I was a boy, but that everybody else was telling me I was a girl, and and that was really confusing. If you put yourself in the mindset, I'm talking like a three or four year old child um, hmm. who doesn't, you know, we definitely didn't have the word transgender. You know, the word did exist, but we didn't have my family didn't have it. Nobody around us had it, right? Um, it wasn't on Oprah or, or any of those other TV shows that, were, that have been chronicling transgender children. Um, so there was just no awareness of it. And uh, I, would, I would become very uncomfortable because I found that as a very young child, I was told I wasn't supposed to lie to anybody, that you're always supposed to tell the truth. But when I told the truth and said to people, I'm really a boy, people would react very negatively to that and very wow. either negative, outright negatively or confused. And my parents did the very best that they could. They were very, very loving parents, you know, but the best that they could was to try and get me to see what they thought was the truth, which was no sweetheart, you're a little girl. Hmm. And so then I was faced as a very young child with the prospect that in order to tell the truth of the world, I had to lie to myself Wow. Yeah. So, and that was a really kind of deep issue and really kind of set me up on a path as a child where I just always felt very separate from the world because I knew something that nobody else knew that nobody else could understand about me. Um, and, and it took me a really long time to be able to, to kind of figure that out. Did you have a question? No, I was going to say, am I correct in, I believe in one of your speaking engagements, you'd said at one time that you thought that maybe you were lesbian because Ellen DeGeneres was a lesbian or is a lesbian. And that was sort of what you could understand at the time. Is that true? Right. So flash forward, right? So I go with what my parents, as, as most children do, I go with what my parents tell me, okay, I'm a girl. I'm going to do this girl thing. And even though it was very uncomfortable and it felt weird, you know, I continued, you know, I did the girl thing. And um, Ellen DeGeneres came out when I was about 16 years old. And at that point, I had never, never mind had I not heard the word transgender, I also had never heard the word lesbian. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm growing up uh, in, in the South. Uh, I'm a high school in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
um, you know, people are not talking about these issues whatsoever, and I have never in my life heard the word lesbian. Ellen DeGeneres comes out, we look a lot alike, right? Um, <laughs> here's this powerful, funny person who's so talented and everybody loves her and a really positive role model. And I realize I also like girls. This is wonderful. I must be a lesbian. That must be what I am. This is a great light bulb moment for me. I'm so excited. Um, I find a, an LGBT youth group, right, and I'm, and I'm going, you know, unbeknownst to my parents, but I'm going by myself to these groups to get support for it. And I'm thinking the whole time, but, okay, I like, I'm a girl and I like girls, but do all lesbians want to be a man? And I think that's a fairly common question. I think a lot of people think, do all lesbians want to be a man or do all gay men want to be women? That's actually questions. Those are questions that people have asked over a lot of time. And that's because we get the idea of sex and gender mixed up. The idea is that how you're born, the body that you're born into is your sex. And what society expects of you, right, how you dress, what kind of things you do in the world, how you act, that's your gender, right? And we say, like, that person's not a real man because he cries, right? Because men aren't supposed to cry. That's a gender thing. It's a gender expectation. And we get the idea that when a doctor looks between your legs at birth, you're going to immediately become a beautiful, blushing bride to a man, like a heterosexual person, right? Like, it's, it's I mean, you can think of it, right? When somebody says, oh, I'm having a baby girl. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. She'll be married. To, you know what I mean? Like we, we just go there in half a step and that's what our culture has done. But it's not actually true because transgender people have existed across all time in every culture forever. And we are the living proof that what you're born with doesn't necessarily translate into what you become in life. So I'm there thinking, okay, if Ellen's a lesbian, I must be a lesbian. You know, this is how it is. But wait, I feel like a man, and she doesn't feel like a man. So what, what, what am I? And I, I go along for a few more years, and I end up in New York City, and I meet a man who is hanging out with a bunch of lesbians, just like I am. And I'm like, what is this man doing with all these lesbians? What's going on here? <laughs> and finally, someone tells me, oh, he's transgender. And I'm like, what? Oh, he, he used to be a woman, but he's, he's become a man. He, he is a man. Like, what? And so I take him out for coffee, and this wonderful man, you know, schools me. He gives me some books. He shows me there's a wonderful book called Transgender Warriors, and it's, a, it's the history of transgender people across all time and all cultures. Um, he, you know, shows me how we've had a contribution to the world throughout all time, and suddenly I, I had, like, a culture and a and a history and a group of people that I belong to and an identity that felt right for me, right? And mm-hmm. in that moment, I was about 20 years old, um, 2021. Um, in that moment, I uh, started to make my transition. And that didn't immediately mean getting, you know, doing hormones or getting surgery. First, it meant really coming to terms with it within myself. Because, you see, I had become really comfortable with being a woman. I, I'm a feminist, right? Like, I, I was really cool with being a woman. And what did it mean to become a white man, right? Like, and all that privilege and all of those things. Um, and so I really had to do some years of thinking about it and then thinking, gosh, what, what's my family going to think? Are they going to, you know, a, a transgender woman told me, when you come out as transgender, you have to be ready to lose everything. Lose your family, lose where you live, lose your job. Right, And that's still true for many transgender people. It's still legal to be fired. 
for being transgender, it's still legal to not be able to rent a house. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's still legal for people to discriminate against transgender people, and now for us to not even be able to use the bathroom that that coincides with our gender identity, right? I do want to get into that discussion because for folks who are listening, there are these so-called bathroom bills. They're bills that have been passed in several states, including, unfortunately, your home state of North Carolina. And it requires all individuals to use the bathrooms that correspond to the gender that's listed on their birth certificate. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, that's not a big deal. I identify as a woman. I use the ladies' room. I don't understand why this would potentially be a problem. There are also people who are blasting laws as regressive, but you told me on Twitter that you're looking forward to telling me why you think that these laws are the best thing to happen to the LGBTQ community. And I know there are a lot of people who are going to say, wait a minute, Scott, these are the best things to ever happen. How is that even possible? Well, you called me, didn't you? And you're letting me <laughs> talk to all of the listeners about it right now. Absolutely. Right? We didn't, our, our interview wasn't set up before these things started happening and before I started really putting stuff out there about it. Um, and I, you know, this is my fifth radio interview this week um, to kind of big outlets with big audiences of people who are really just thirsty to understand what the heck is going on. Because unfortunately, in our culture, you know, we've, you know, it's still okay, as I said, it's still okay to, to and I don't mean in a moral sense, but it's still considered okay to, to um, discriminate against transgender people. We can, we're still the butt of a joke, right? Well, you know, the man takes home the gorgeous woman, and oh my God, it's a man, right? Right, mm-hmm. and these sorts of things. Um, and what's happening in these bathroom bill things is they're playing on people's utter misunderstanding, utter, I'm going to say the word ignorant, but I really mean like innocent of education, right? Like ignorance isn't an awful thing. It's just that how would you ever know, right? Like we don't get taught these things in school, right? So it really is playing on people's ignorance of what transgender is. Transgender people, you know, are being painted by conservative media forces as men in women's clothing who want to go into women's restrooms in order to sexually assault women. Um, and that's, you know, and or little girls, right? They haven't talked about people like me whatsoever who are transgender men. I walk into the men's room and nobody gives me a second look, right? But, and I'm, I'm just there to pee. Um, and that's why these, you know, that, that, that idea that this transgender women are really just men in women's clothing um, is why these votes can pass. It's why these bills get through because people really don't know the people who make the bills, the people who vote for the bills don't have a single transgender person in their lives. And that is why this happens. Um, So I'm super grateful that it's happening because we're getting even more visibility. We're showing people we're able to bring out the study of 17 major, huge school districts that have transgender bathroom, but, you know, where people can pick the bathroom that coincides with their gender that have never had even a single instance of, of any predatory people showing up in their bathrooms. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, we also have the Washington Post just, just put this out there uh, two days ago that children, transgender children who are in school districts that police which bathroom they can go into, 60% of those transgender children attempt suicide. So wow. we're bringing to light how deeply this kind of wrongheaded thinking 
and discriminatory behavior um, hits children. We're talking teenagers, teenagers who have nothing but potential to offer the world, right? Being told that they are so unworthy and so um, despised by society that they can't even use the bathroom, you know, at school, right? Um, and what that does to them, the potential for, for just taking all of that potential out of the world. Earlier in the week, ESPN fired Kurt Schilling, an analyst, for saying, in part, uh, I don't care what they are, who they sleep with, the men's room was designed for the penis, the women's (laughs) not so much. A man is a man no matter what they call themselves. Now you need laws telling us differently. Pathetic. What's your thought on that comment? He doesn't have a transgender person in his life. If he, if he had even spoken to one transgender person, really had like opened him up to a, himself up to a conversation the way you're doing for me right now, he would not feel that way. Because you can't. When you have a transgender person in front of you, our existence is proof enough. And this is, what's, this is the, the most sort of galling thing and the most troublesome thing about being transgender is we're constantly just getting like everybody else to believe that we are who we know we are, like to just even believe that we are human beings. And whereas, you know, you have in India, they have, in India, they have three sexes. You're, you're, you're man, woman, or transgender, right? And that's legal on all your legal documents. Other cultures are totally on board with this, right? But it's just here in the United States that we've decided that one definition of gender that was made up for us during the Industrial Revolution um, is going to be the way that men and women are, and there's no other way. Except that we live in a time where we have iPhones, and, you know, we can curate everything in our world, right, to be completely individual. So, I mean, to quote Bob Dylan, the times they are changing, and, 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 you know, the new manners is, we simply don't discriminate against people for any reason. And major firings like Kurt Schilling are just proof of that. We are talking with Scott Turner Schofield. We're talking about a lot of different things. One of the things that's happened within, I want to say the past year or two, it might be closer to two, Scott, is that Target has dropped their color-coded toy sections. Previously, they had aisles painted pink for what were considered girls' toys and blue for what were considered Boys, toys, does it really matter at the end of the day? I mean, this is just me asking because my personal opinion. Does it really matter at the end of the day if a boy is playing with a doll or if a girl is playing with trucks? I mean, it's a toy. A toy is a toy is a toy. That doesn't really mean anything other than a toy to me. Right. Well, what what psychologists and sociologists know, know is that play really sets up children for life. Like children, when they're playing, they're working out stuff in their brains and figuring out stuff for life. Do we not want boys to know how to carry babies and to know how to feed babies? Do we not want boys to grow up into being really good fathers if that's what they want to do? Right? Like cutting them off from being able to play with baby dolls makes them less, you know, able to have that understanding of how to be with babies. Why would we do that? We need everybody we can get to take care of, take the village to raise a child, right? Um, same with girls. Are we saying that girls should not be, you know, should not play with Legos and Lincoln Logs and therefore be, someday perhaps maybe become architects and engineers, right? Like, we're, what, what enforcing these rigid notions of gender does is 
it cuts people off from their own possibility. It's saying you can't do that because you were born this way. And that's not American. That's just not American thinking. You know, it's interesting in talking this, it has occurred to me, and I consider myself to be, uh, a lack of a better term, I, I worldly, I consider myself to be someone who uh, is open, who loves everyone pretty much equally. There's a couple of people out there that I don't necessarily <laughs> like. Um, but it occurred to me that when people are coming to visit me at my house, um, out in, I have a pool house, and on one side is what I've been telling people. This is the ladies' lounge, and on the other side, I tell people, oh, this is the men's lounge. So even myself, in thinking this, I don't necessarily know that I'm, I'm thinking of, of doing it in any sort of wrong way, uh, but even myself, when I, I'm showing people around, I say, oh, you know, men's side, women's side. So I think all of us, in many of us, in some way, shape, or form, do have that, you know, that, that ingrained thing where we sort of... Uh, it's either on or off. It's either one or the other. And I will admit myself that I'm, I'm guilty of doing that. Well, here's the thing. You're not guilty. And here's, what I, here's the thing that I really want to say. It's okay, right? It is okay to think the way you think. It is okay to do things the way that you do. What transgender people are asking for, you know, some, yes, sure. Some of us are asking for us to change the whole system and it's ridiculous and let's just get rid of it, right? But that's not realistic either, right? Um, right? What we're asking for is just to like soften, soften around it. It is, if you completely disagree with me, if the people, people who are listening to me, if you just like, this guy is full of it and that's ridiculous and God made us this way and or even nature made us this way and whatever, right? Like, I fully respect your opinion. I wouldn't be a diversity speaker if I didn't believe in a diversity of opinions. And I do, right? A diversity of opinions and a diversity of ways of doing things. But if I show up at your, at your pool house, Dan, and I hope someday to be invited, um, <laughs> right, and I use the men's side, I hope not to have someone drag me out of that place and start yelling and screaming and making a scene about me being in it, right? That would be the worst case scenario. Another bad case scenario would be for you to take me aside privately and say, you know, I was really offended that you walked in there. I mean, you know, you you don't have a penis. And so, right, like, like assuming that I don't, right? So these sorts of, it's, it's this kind of like, we need to take the edge off and we need to be more open to the real fact that there are people who have spent their lifetimes going through something far more difficult than most people ever, ever have. You know, you, you get to be a man and you never have to think about that if you don't want to. And there are people who consider suicide over it, right? Um, there are people who pay a lot of money right? To be anatomically exactly what you are, right? I'm asking, and what transgender people are asking for is to just soften around the edges of that. You can keep things the way you do. You can have your men's and your women's room at your pool house. That's totally fine, right? The deal is when people come, when transgender people come to use it, let them use the one that they feel the most comfortable at. That's it. We just need to pee. Well, we'll work on the invitation. Uh, I mean, since you want to come and hang out, we'll, we'll work on all the details for there. One of the things that we may be able to do before then, not entirely sure, so I'll ask. You are featured somewhat prominently in some of the Emmy reels that were submitted this year by The Bold and the Beautiful. Do you think that you'll be attending any of the Emmy festivities this year? I sure hope so. Um, I know that they that they 
it's coming up pretty quickly, so I should be hearing here pretty soon. Um, but I would love to, to see. I haven't seen a bunch of those folks in a little while, so um, it would be great to be able to see the cast and crew of The Bold and the Beautiful. They just did such a great job, um, not only on my story line, but, you know, m- my mom and myself have become huge fans of the show, um, you know, since, since my time on there. And I just, I love the work they do. They're great actors doing good work, amazing writers. Um, it's just a, it's just a wonderful show to watch every day. So, um, at least I get to see them that way. And hopefully I get to see them in person soon. We'll have to get Eva on the phone. We'll make that happen. And uh, if you <laughs> do, please be sure to look for me on the red carpet so that we can we can chat and do some other things. And, I mean, in the amount of time that we have, uh, there's still a whole lot more things that I want to talk about. Um, just making sure that uh, until our next guest is ready to go. Um, so I want to get to that. Sure. I think, you know, in doing some research for when the storyline of when Maya's story on the Bold and Beautiful uh, was first revealed, in doing some research with Glad, uh, found a lot of things that I think I never considered may or may not be proper, may or may not be ways that you should talk to people. I know for a lot of people, uh, when Maya's story came out, they would say, oh, so she was born a man. And in speaking to Glad, they said, okay, well, Dan, you weren't born a man. Right. Nobody's born a man or a woman. (laughs) I'm like, considering my mom is only like four foot eight, if I were born, it'd be (laughs) be really uncomfortable for her. (laughs) But no, but I mean, like you, certain things that I don't know that uh, there's a lot of things I think that people say without really thinking of of the true meaning of what they're they're saying, what's behind it. But, you know, there are a lot of other things in that that I'm sure – you know, people have heard saying, oh, so they're trapped in a man's body or they don't understand what even RuPaul, for example, even RuPaul has gotten hit with some, uh, you know, some flack for using terms that are really considered derogatory. So are, are, are we at a point now where we're sort of learning about this and learning what is right and what isn't right? And hopefully that will lead us to a point where, you know, at some point, God willing, we don't even have to think about the fact that, you know, we're, we're saying things that are offensive. Yes, exactly. And this is why I never fault anybody. And this is why you should, you and none of your listeners should ever feel bad about not knowing these things. It's because we never learned it, right? We, it's not new by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, we've been in every culture throughout all time, right? But it's... Um, it's that, yes, finally it's coming to consciousness. The transgender tipping point that, you know, that 2015 represents, you know, was this moment where suddenly we're seeing all of these transgender people in the media, hearing and experiencing all of these transgender stories and suddenly going, oh, wow, the way I thought about that was totally not the way that it is for those people. How can I learn more? And this is why I think even bathroom bills are the best thing that could have ever happened to us. Because again, suddenly you're like, wow, that's so invasive. That's so, you know, now you really understand how deep it goes that someone's even going to tell you where you can and can't pee, right? If you're transgender, like on a fundamental level, you get how wrong that is and how you want to make that right for people. And that's what I love about people. I truly believe that people want to do right. Um, you know, some people have further ways to walk through it, right? That they, they have to get through religious programming or other kinds of cultural programming to, to realize, like, hey, we're just all human. Let's all chill out and be nice to each other and use the right pronouns and, you know, <laughs> and describe people in the right way, right? Um, but that's okay. I was on a journey to get here myself. 
I didn't, I didn't come born with all of this knowledge, right? Of like, like when a person says, hi, you know, I, you used to know me as Mike and now I'm Michaela, that you just call them Michaela from now on. And, and, you know, if Michaela shows up wearing all women's clothing, then you can be pretty sure she wants to be called she, her, hers, right? That you don't have to even think about it. That, in fact, Michaela probably wants to continue talking about all the things that she ever talked about with you beforehand, right? Like, um, whatever, gardening and uh, flying drones and, you know, whatever, whatever their passions were <laughs> in life before continue to be. Because the person doesn't change, right? It's, it's everybody else has to transition around the person, right? But the actual who the person really is never changes, Right. And then also the other thing I would say for people listening is don't out transgender people. There's a difference between being gay, lesbian, and bisexual and being transgender, right? Is that when you're trans, you, you have become the person that you authentically are, which is something everybody's trying to do. You just had to get through like a gender thing to get there. Right. And the same way as you might say, like, um, you know, that person went to prison, right? And say they, they went to prison and they've come out and they've, and they've done their whole lives and they're like a great, you know, great community leader now and they've done all these things. They might bring up the fact that they went to prison to talk about their personal growth, but it would be kind of messed up if every time you talked about that person, you're like, you know, the guy who went to prison mm. instead of this amazing community leader that he is now, right? So, like, stay in the present, and if that person wants to come out to you as transgender or come out to the world as transgender, they will. But the thing that I find most frustrating is, I mean, I like talking about transgender stuff. Don't get me wrong. I think I'm an educator. We need to do it. But um, I don't only want to talk about that, right? Like I want to talk about soap operas and I want to talk about acting and I want to talk about good books and other things that I'm really interested in, right? Um, so just remember that you're talking to a person, and and go from there. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty simple, actually. And actually, in terms of talking to a person, I'm enjoying talking to you. I'm going to let you know that you know our next guest is not yet on the line, and may or may not, uh, due to work schedule, show up. Uh, Scott, if you would like, we can keep talking uh, for a couple more sure. minutes, if you'd like. Sure, you're fine with it. Yeah, whatever works for you. Hopefully, people uh, are enjoying it. <laughs> I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that they do. Uh, you know, I want to circle back to something that I, I did skip over because uh, I was concerned about our, our time constraints. But uh, the topics of sex, gender, and sexuality, because as you were talking and as I was fiddling around here and, and making notes, my driver's license lists my sex as M, which I'm going to, uh, everyone should probably know, this probably stands for male. But when people would ask me my gender, I would also say male. So what is the difference? Can you explain your position on what the difference between sex and gender is? Because I think for a lot of people, uh, unless it's a topic of, you know, are you having sex, which is a, a Y or an N, a lot of people may consider sex and gender to be the same thing. Right. And, and that's exactly the reason why we confuse these two words, because on forms, um, a lot of times they'll say gender and ask you to circle M or F, male or female, because they don't want to put sex and have you write, hell yeah, right? <laughs> or, or no, not since college. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, um, so it gets confused in our culture already. Um, 
I will say, like, I talk about this for about 15 minutes. I did a TED Talk, um, which you can find on YouTube if you type in my name or you type in Ending Gender. Um, that's the name of my TED Talk, and I get really kind of deep into detail with, like, slides and stuff. So it's a, it's a lot easier to, to understand. But, okay, when we're talking about sex, we're simply talking about your genital setup, right, whether you were born with um, a penis or a vagina, right? We're talking about your chromosomes, right? Like um, X and, or Y. And we're talking about your hormones, um, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, right? We're talking about the physical makeup of your body. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, though, because we only really talk about M or F, when in actual fact, there are 17 different ways that your chromosomes, your hormones, and your genitals can be, can be sort of made up in a body to make you neither male nor female, 17 different ways. Wow. Now, you, you might have heard of this um, referred to as hermaphrodite, right? And I'm, I'm doing like huge air quotes when I say that mm-hmm. word because we don't use that. Just the same way that we don't call African-Americans Negroes, same way as we don't call people with disabilities crippled, right? We don't call intersex people hermaphrodites anymore, right? It, the word is actually intersex. And so there's 17 different ways to be not typically male or female. And you get like all bunged up that there should just be two ways of doing your life, right? Again, the only reason that we feel this way is because we don't talk about it. There's not enough knowledge about it out there. So gender is, is like you take your sex at birth and you grow up and people put their stuff on you. Your parents are the first ones and they dress you up the way that they think you should be dressed. And then you go to school and maybe you go to a school with a uniform and so you have to either wear a skirt or pants, right? And you have to choose between two options. And maybe if you are a little boy and you want to wear a skirt, they won't even let you, right? I mean, that's just like one sort of example of, of how gender is, operates on us at, as, at very, as very young children, um, you know, we grow up, we start thinking we're not good enough um, as teenagers, right? We're not, you know, the thing that I knew as a, as a transgender teenager was I would, my mom would take me to the hairstylist. It was our, it was our girls day out thing to do. And they were, I had this lovely long blonde hair, you know, and the hairdressers would make all this fuss over me and they would put my hair in an updo and I would cry. I would just cry because I just, I didn't feel like that girl, like, I just would look at this person and be like, who is that? That's not who I am, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the experience of being transgender, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a journey that has to be gone on. Now, you say, Dan, that you're male and that you also identify as a man, right? Yes. So you're what we call cisgender. And this word just ended up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, like, this week. Cis, C-I-S, cis means same, it means that your sex and your gender match. There's no journey for you, right? Now, you know, cisgender people are very common people. There are a lot of cisgender people everywhere, right? That doesn't make them normal, <laughs> okay? Like, we need to take out that, that idea. Normal has never <laughs> been a word used to describe me, I assure you. <laughs> right? Right. We just need to suck that word right out of our, of our vocabulary. <laughs> And then we have this term, um, genderqueer, which also made it into Merriam-Webster uh, this week. And genderqueer is 
you know, when you look at me, you see a guy. Like, that's what people see. And I'm a transgender man. That means I went from being, you know, homecoming queen to being a soap star dude, right? Like, I, I went from one to the other. Genderqueer people are people who you could say are in the middle, like kind of androgynous, or, are, or I would say are totally outside of that. I think I'm not going to label Prince, right? But I, I would put an adjective to say that, like, you know, to me, my perspective, Prince was kind of genderqueer, you know, wearing all that purple and velvet and all those skinny suits, you know what I mean? Like, like that was amazing. Right? Mentioned, you mentioned that word, we just talked about, and you'd mentioned, you know, there are certain words that you, you just don't use because they're not appropriate. There are going to be people who are listening saying, hey, wait a minute, hold on. I thought that we couldn't use the word queer because that was considered offensive at one time. Right. And here's the thing with language, it changes. Like I just said, this week, Merriam-Webster Dictionary put cisgender and genderqueer into the dictionary, right? These, these identities have always existed. They've always been a thing, but now they're real words, right? And time, you know, I, I've been working in this, in this field for almost 15 years now. And when I first came out as transgender, the word for it is a word that I'm not going to say because it is now so offensive that it's almost yeah. like saying the N-word. Right, but that was the only word we had. The P word was was the only word we had, and transgender came a couple of years later. Um, so you know, and genderqueer came probably five years after that, and it's only just been recognized as a word. Right, so time changes, and the what it is is it's it's about the community themselves. Right, white people didn't just decide that African American people should be called African American. Right, African American people decided we want to be called African American. So please call us that. And if you respect us, you will. Right? Um, so, and same with intersex people. We don't want to be called hermaphrodites. We want to be called intersex. Um, so when a community says, like, this word is okay, or when an individual says, this word matters to me and means something to me, please use it, that's what we respect. And we don't have to get all bunched up in our heads. Just take it on a moment-by-moment basis. You know, these, these no rules are ever hard and fast. <laughs> I mean, we all know that, right? Like, laws change. If we still had the same laws we had 50 years ago, people would be using different restrooms for very different reasons. Am I right? That's very true. And I think when we talk about this, one of the things that people maybe stumble over or get uh, hung up on is people, for the most part, I think a lot of people want to make sure that what they're saying is right. They don't want to say things that will offend people. You know, the world is not like Twitter where people will say whatever they want offline. People have a tendency to be entirely different. So there are probably people who are listening and they're hearing terms that they're not familiar with. And now there will be a fear. Oh my God, what if I use the wrong term? What if I'm, I'm, you know, if I don't use genderqueer because I don't know how that quite applies, am I going to start offending people? And, you know, maybe they'll recoil a bit because there's now a fear of if there's 17 different possible alignments of, of terminology, am I going to offend someone by speaking? Maybe I should just never say anything ever again. Right. And so, and I think our fear around this has happened because of Twitter and the way that we treat each other online a little bit. Um, so here's, here's the world that I want to see, and this is the world that I'm being the change for, okay? I come into every situation assuming that you mean the best. And unless you show up and you consistently call me she 
and say things like, well, you aren't meant to be in that bathroom, sweetheart. And, you know, unless you're being offensive, as in like really on the offense toward me, I'm going to take your misstep with language if you accidentally called me she or if you called me the T word or if you, right, like if, or if you used the, you know, some other wrong word to describe me, right? I would simply go, oh, okay, well, let me just say to you, you know, I actually prefer this pronoun um, and, oh, this is how, you know, we don't say transgendered, we say transgender, right? Just let you, just let you know. And I'll give you, me, I'll give you two weeks, okay? You get a two-week window from when I've told you something to when you need to be getting it right. <laughs> and that's just practice, right? Um, and, you know, beyond that, like I said, people don't have this education. So it's like, yes, it is a little bit incumbent upon me. And yes, sometimes it gets annoying and boring. And I just want people to see me for who I am. And I've lived this my whole life. And why, when did it ever get easier? Blah, blah, blah. But I know that I'm part of changing the world and changing the world takes a minute. And so part of changing the world is not deciding that you're a bad person, that you're, that you're just going to get this wrong, that you're offensive, that I'm triggered and uncomfortable. I may be triggered and uncomfortable, but it's not your fault. It's, it's the world that we're living in that we all have to work together to change. And if you graciously take my correction and graciously move forward with you, I promise that I will do the same, right? And I can't speak for all transgender people, but that's, when, that's the movement I'm trying to make happen. In about a minute that we have left, talking about being part of, of making a change, do you ever feel the weight of the world on your shoulders uh, in the responsibility that comes with all of that? Oh, you know, I don't, I don't think of it as a responsibility. I just think of it as my contribution. Hmm. You, know, I'm try- you know, I'm really just, I know what I need to make me feel comfortable, and I've heard from a lot of other people that it would help them too. So... You know, that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, and I don't take myself that seriously, right? Um, I've gotten over taking everything so very seriously because it just doesn't make life any fun. Um, so, so, no, I don't. You know, if anything, the weight of the world, you know, these bathroom bills really triggered me. And I spent a good week in a real funk because I thought about the first time that politicians started making me feel bad for who I was. I was 15, and it was an anti-gay measure that took place in Charlotte. And that was the first time I considered suicide, right? I was just a, I was just a kid. And, you know, to have that, that happen. So, um, you know, I, I just... I guess I'm saying, I just want to leave you with, you know, it's totally cool for people to think the way they want to think and the world is going to change at the pace it's going to take. Just don't, don't take offensive measures against a small group of people who already have it hard enough as it is. And for folks out there who are listening, who are maybe feeling down, who are feeling as though there are so many things and maybe it's working against you, know from the example that Scott has just set, please we love you. We want you to stay with us. We want you to help make a difference. And there are numerous places where you can go and talk to people. We'll pass some of those along on our Twitter feed to make sure that you stick around with us because the world is better with you in it. Scott, I know that there are some other projects that you're working on. You can't quite discuss it, but when it's time and you are able to talk about them, I want to know where, uh, let people know where they can follow you and get all the information firsthand. So where can they find you on the internet? Where can they find you on the Twitter machine and all the other good stuff? Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so Twitter, you can find me with my two last names, Turner Schofield. 
uh, at Turner Schofield, and I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm, I sometimes Periscope too. I love the Periscope. So um, yeah, just just look around, just put my name in, and you'll and you'll find it, Scott Turner Schofield. And uh, yeah, you'll know. I can tell you there's a book and a movie, but that's that's all I can tell you. <laughs> you can't, Al. You can't. that's terrible. That's worse than anything else. That's worse than my Prince question putting you on the spot. I'd like to say, oh, by the way, there's a book and a movie, but I can't. Ah. Well, hopefully we'll have some more details soon. And, you know, when you're ready to be able to talk about all of it, when you're able to, maybe you'll drop back here, chat with us again, and we can, you know, give all that information because I think it could be fun. I would more than love to. Thank you again so much. This has been great. I appreciate that you were able to stick around a little bit longer. For those of you who are waiting to hear from Robert Palmer Watkins, we'll have some more information about that. But for now, Scott, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me. My true pleasure. All right, everybody, we are out of time for today. If you missed any of the information that we talked about, or if you'd like to hear the show again, or if you want to share it with a friend, which is always important, head over to our official website at curlcall.com. You can listen to any show on demand anytime. It's completely free. We'll be back next week with some Emmy stuff. And, of course, there's always something to talk about. So find us at Kroll Call Show on Twitter. Remember, the next time the phone rings, pick it up. It could be the Kroll Call. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.